Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. If you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, as we finish out Acts 9, we're going to pick it up in verse 32 in just a minute. Hopefully you're already there. Uh, Steph and I, we, we both inherited the stubborn gene, uh, which has made for some interesting game nights. Uh, <laughs> we learned years ago that we needed to be on the same team. Uh, this was after a, a few 42 dominoes matches gone horribly wrong. Uh, but, but seriously, I, I, I wouldn't say that, that Steph, uh, th- that we, I wouldn't say that we're both like a, a excessively uh, competitive, but what I will say is that the stubborn gene kicks in at the mere mention of, of you, like you can't do that. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, Rue, who is three, uh, has inherited said gene, uh, but I've actually learned to uh, use it to my advantage by telling her, no, you can't give daddy hugs and sugars. And then she turns on the hugs and sugars, and it's awesome. She doesn't even realizing I'm employ- daddy's employing reverse psychology. <laughs> um, you, you can't do it, right? When we hear you can't do it, here, church, here, here's the bad news, <laughs> The end of Acts 9 is a giant declaration of what you cannot do in your own strength. The end of Acts 9 is a giant declaration of what you cannot do in your own strength. But the good news is that Jesus does what we cannot do. Amen? Jesus does what we can't do. His, his grace is sufficient. His power is, is greater. And, and this morning, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here with the spiritual stubborn gene. Right? I, I, like, I don't, I don't pretend to know where everyone is, but the question of the hour is this. How, how has your way worked out? Uh, maybe, maybe you've dug in and, and you, like, you've been trying, uh, to, to work out that relationship on your own. Maybe you've been trying to handle the conflict on your own or work through that crisis on your own or, or be right with God on your own and you know that you're just going in circles. You know that you're, you're just going in circles. And when it comes to the spiritual arena, church fam, here, here's what I want to say this morning. This is the one time when you can't do it actually uh, should lead to you humbling yourself. And it should actually lead to a, a surrender because the, 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 we're going to see this this morning. The ministry of Peter at the end of Acts 9 reveals three things that we can't do. Reveals three things that we can't do. Three, three truths that I would argue uh, fly in the face of, of humanistic 
cultural messages that we're, we're just sort of bombarded with every day in this, this morning. Here's my, here's my prayer. My prayer is that we would have ears to hear what we cannot do. You with me? I pray that we have ears to hear what we cannot do. And so uh, buckle, buckle your seatbelts. Uh, we're going to cover we're going to cover three important things. The first thing is this, uh, is, is we look at the first few verses. You can't heal yourself. You cannot heal yourself. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can't heal yourself. <laughs> look at your other neighbor, and say, you can't heal yourself. We'll get in sync on, on point number two. Promise. Verse 32 says this. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. See, as we, as we left off in verse 31, the church had entered into this time of, of relative peace as, as the persecution was dying down. And in the midst of this, Peter felt, see, remember, all of the apostles were just kind of hanging out and hunkering down in Jerusalem. But in the midst of this relative peace, Peter felt the, the, the freedom to venture out from Jerusalem to begin this little West Coast Palestinian traveling minister, ministry. And so in, in verse 32, it reveals that Peter traveled to the city of the town of Lydda. Lydda is, and this is important, geography is important because of the progression of, of Acts. Lydda is in modern day Lod, which is, which is in Tel Aviv. Uh, it's about 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It's about 12 miles southeast of Joppa, which we're going to see Joppa in just a moment. But here's what's more important. It's 12 miles southeast, uh, or it's just miles south of Caesarea. Caesarea is going to come into play, and it is going to be the focal point city in Acts chapter 10 in Peter's interactions with Cornelius. And though Peter's encounters here with Aeneas and Tabitha and the Greek Dorcas, don't name your daughter that, um, these two encounters kind of get lost in the mix, especially in light of Peter's interaction uh, with Cornelius in Acts 10. But nonetheless, church, man, these are, these are important. These are, these are significant. Luke includes these two stories by design because I've, I've said this before, but Acts 1-8 is unfolding, right? When, 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 when God said, but you will receive power, Jesus said, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses where? Starting in Jerusalem, but then to Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And so that deal, that, that train is moving. And, and Thomas Constable says this, the gospel was being preached effectively in a region of Palestine that both Jew and Gentile occupied. 
So Luke is bringing his readers into this theological reality that really will become, it's going to become a fixture in Paul's writings. And that's that the dividing wall of hostility was coming down. Amen? Through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile were being reconciled to God and to one another. Century, listen, centuries old prejudice was about to be obliterated by the gospel. Do y'all hear me this morning? Centuries old prejudices were about to be obliterated by the gospel. But while in Lydda, Peter encounters this man named Aeneas. And though Aeneas was a, a, a Greek name, knowing the scope of Peter's ministry to this point, it's more likely that he was a, a Hellenistic, he was a Greek-speaking Jew. And so Peter rolls up on Aeneas, and, and listen, in, in the Gospels, in, in Capernaum, remember Jesus had told a, a, a paralytic to take up his mat and walk. In Luke 5.24, he, he had commanded a, another paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. He had commanded him to pick up his mat and to do the same in John 5.8. Peter, following in the footsteps of Jesus. So he's following the footsteps of Jesus, but instead of invoking, uh, presuming on his own power, he invokes the name of Jesus in verse 34, and it brings immediate healing. Immediate healing. And uh, I love Ch Chuck Swindoll uh, was, was re teaching on this passage and he joked, uh, he, he joked about Acts 9 and he said, I've been telling my, my teenagers to arise and make their beds for years. No avail, right? <laughs> but C.S. Lewis, he called this the, uh, a miracle of reversal. Lewis said where the effects of sin and the fall are reversed and we get this glimpse of, of the new creation. And, and no doubt, listen, the people of Lydda were getting this foretaste of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah 35, 6, of this prophecy of a future kingdom where, where the lame, the paralyzed would walk. But not just that, they were getting this, this preview of a kingdom where, where there would be no more sickness, there would be no more disease, and ultimately no more death. They're getting this preview of, of what Jesus will one day return to do to restore a broken and sin-marred creation. Amen? That's what they're getting a preview of. In verse 35 tells us that all the residents of Lydda and Sharon, they saw, they saw Aeneas and they turned to the Lord. In the Greek, that word turn, it, it means to change one's belief. This is important to change one's belief with an emphasis on that to which one turns. And so what's implied is that this healing, and we see this throughout the Gospels and through Acts, the healing wasn't just this like cheap party trick. It wasn't just this like stand alone event. It was for the express purpose, check this out, of proclaiming Christ crucified and raised. It was for the express purpose of proclaiming the death and the resurrection of Jesus and salvation in him alone. And so church fam, what, what's the application? Like what, is, what, is this, what does this mean for us? Well, for starters, it means you can't heal yourself. Can I get an amen? Man, church, do we believe that? If we don't believe that, listen, 
If we believe that we can heal ourselves, like we don't believe the gospel. Means we cannot heal ourselves. I, I, I've shared, I've mentioned this before, but our, our, our big boys, Titus and especially Luke and Levi, are, are enthralled with all things superhero. All things superhero. Marvel. So the other night we, we had Aquaman on for like five seconds. True story. And they're like glued to the TV, <laughs> glued uh, to the TV. And, and a convo that we've had around our dinner table on more than one occasion is like, which, which superpower are you going for? You got one to choose from. I know you've thought about it. This is important, right? These are very important questions, especially with four boys. Uh, and, and, and so invisibility, teleportation, Super strength have all been the topic of discussion. But if you're wandering into the world of, of X-Men, like I, I'm thinking Wolverine, because the ability to heal yourself is really like that's what we all long for. And so you look at Wolverine and no matter how how bad the wound is, he finds a way to repair himself. And listen, none of us has this capability. None of us. And spiritually, Aeneas is, is a picture of all of us. Amen? How, how humbling. In your, in your own strength, you are powerless to change the brokenness. Powerless to change the dysfunction. Powerlessness to, 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 dig, powerless to dig out of the pit of, of sin. And this, listen, I, like... This is why, this is why the, the world that we're in right now, this is why COVID world is, is so discouraging for so many. See, COVID, this COVID world that we live in, it promises a light at the end of the tunnel. It, but, but the hope is in a vaccine. And the, the hope is in just indefinitely keeping your distance from others and, and from community and, and connection. And the hope is in these, is, is in politicians who, who are gladly, they, they gladly carry the mantle as our healers. And the hope is in a thousand other human solutions that ultimately do nothing to bring healing where we need it the most. Our human hearts, church, are infused with a sinful human nature and the only remedy is Christ crucified and raised. Amen? That, that's why verse 35 is so important. Physical healing means nothing if people are not trusting and following Jesus. Aeneas... Jesus Christ heals you. See, substitute your own name there. Jesus Christ heals you. Believe, substitute your own name there and believe that Jesus is not only your only hope for healing, but hope for healing for the world. See, we, we've talked about this. People are hurting right now. They're looking for truth. They're looking for, for answers. And in this space, in this space, if all the church has to offer, if all we're talking about is, is politics and COVID and masks and human solutions, like we are, we are missing an opportunity and in forfeiting our witness. Listen, though, though the verdict may still be out on a vaccine for COVID, 
COVID. Um, there is an absolute uh, vaccine for sin. His name is Jesus. So let's proclaim him. Second thing this morning. You can't make what's dead come alive. That's really long. So just look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, you can't do it. You can't make what's dead come alive. 36 says this, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in the Greek, Aramaic Tabitha, in the Greek, it's Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill, she died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room since Lydda was near Joppa. And the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, they sent two men urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made for these widows while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened up her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. Many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. You, you can't make what's dead come alive. See, while, let me again get back to geography. While, while Lydda was, was still a primarily Jewish city, Joppa was far more Gentile. And the text gives us a bit more detail on Tabitha Dorcas than we get on Aeneas. And in honor of deer season, Dorcas in the Greek actually means deer or gazelle. But Tabitha was a faithful disciple and servant of the church. She, she was a generous and, and, and a, a gifted seamstress, as is evidenced by the many widows who, who had benefited from the, the garments that she had sewn and had gifted to these ladies. But verse 37 tells us that after becoming ill, Tabitha passes away. She dies. And so verse 38, they, they dispatch Peter, who's in neighboring Lydda, and, he, and they say, hey, you need to come urgently over to Joppa, 12 miles to the north. It's not a stretch to say that they were hoping for a miracle. I don't think that's a stretch, especially considering they didn't rush to bury the body, but they, they left her in the upper room. And so Peter comes. And Tony Marita says it like this. Peter stands in the tradition of Elijah. Think back to the Old Testament. Peter stands in the tradition of Elijah and Elisha, and especially of Jesus. Like Jesus and Elisha, Peter, Marita says, Peter sends everyone out of the room when he shows up to call the dead back to life. So he's left in the room alone with the body. And like Elisha, Peter falls to his knees in prayer, looking to the only one who has resurrection power. Amen? And Peter calls out to the, to the woman in her Aramaic name. In his words, they echo the words of Jesus when he heals Jairus' daughter, Talitha. But instead of Talitha uh, Kumi, he says, Tabitha Kumi, Tabitha, get up, Tabitha, 
arise. And Daryl Bach says the healing of Tabitha comes, becomes well known, not only in Joppa, but, but all over. And it leads many to believe in the Lord, just as the healing of Aeneas caused many to turn to the Lord and Sharon. And here, here to in Lydda and Sharon, and here's the key. Ready? Church, this was and is always the goal of miracles and healing to point people to a trust and a a hope in Jesus for salvation from sin, to validate the message of the gospel and, and to drive this hope in Christ alone. And here's why. Because Aeneas, listen, Aeneas, this brother was going to get old and his body was going to break down again. Y'all hear me this morning? Tabitha, like, I, like, let's just think through this. Tabitha would one day again take her last breath. In Adam, all die, but only in Christ do we find forgiveness of sin and an actual hope of resurrection. Only Jesus is sovereign over sin and death. Amen? Just this past week, our our, our parents back home, they they buried one of their deacons. 45 years old. Who passed away. He he leaves behind a a wife and two kids. And like the the family is reeling. They're they're left, they're, they're, they're picking up the pieces grieving a husband and a father who's gone too soon. But church, hear me. Those who are in Christ do not grieve as the world grieves. Amen? Yes, we, like, we mourn the loss of their physical presence. But this man, our, the friend, this friend of our family, he is in the presence of Jesus. He is in the presence of Jesus. Death, death doesn't have the final word. Like death's sting is gone. Amen. Like, like we, we sing songs about that. We just don't always believe it. Otherwise, we wouldn't despair like the rest of the world. And I'm not, I'm not making light of death. I'm just saying Jesus lit up death at the cross. And he absolutely can make what's dead come alive again. And check this out. Kind of a cool part of this story is not only, not only did, did God take a woman from death to life, in a way he, he took a city from death to life too. Follow me on this. Joppa had been the place of Jonah's running. This is, where, this is where Jonah ran. He ran to Joppa to hop on a boat to, to flee the presence of God and the mission to the Gentiles. But now, a place formerly associated with running from God would now forever be associated with the power of God. From here on out, Joppa is going to be associated with new life and with resurrection. But it gets even better because interestingly, Peter, Simon Peter's real name from Matthew 16, 17 was Simon Barjona. 
Simon, son of Jonah. So check this out. The Lord commissioned both Simon, Peter, and Jonah to move toward the Gentiles with the message of God's mercy. But where Jonah failed, Simon Peter would flourish. And God was making what was dead come alive again. Amen? Because only God can do that. Third thing this morning. You can't put an end to prejudice. You can't put an end to prejudice. This final point this morning may be more subtle and understated from the text, but it's a point that needs to be made. These miracles, that's why geography is important. These miracles of God through Peter and his journey from Jewish Lydda to the more Gentile Joppa is setting us up for Peter's next pit stop in Caesarea. Peter was about to see God's power on display among the Gentiles. But listen, Kent Hughes says this about Peter. Peter was heir to a strong tradition of prejudice. Peter was heir to a strong tradition of prejudice that went clear back to Abraham and was exemplified in men like Jonah who who resisted bearing witness to the Gentiles. Jonah, who was actually angry with with God when the Ninevites repented and received God's mercy and escaped his judgment. See, we've talked about this before, but in Israel, there was this self-righteous tendency to love God's mercy when it was for you, to love God's mercy when it was for Israel, but to hate God's mercy when it was being poured out on others outside of Israel. Y'all following me? Peter's posture up to this point had been one of, toward the Gentiles, his posture had been one of prejudice, but God God was at work. God was at work and he was setting him up for this encounter with Cornelius in Acts 10. God was slowly moving him outward from Jerusalem to see, to experience, and to even, we already seen, to validate God's mission to the whole world, not just to the Jews. And even as Acts 9 comes to a conclusion, we find Peter staying with a tanner named Simon. You say, well, why is this this important? It's a great question. A tanner, one commentator put it like this, a tanner was rendered perpetually unclean by the Jews because he dealt with dead animals in, in order to convert their skins to leather. Church, church, this is where Peter was living. This is where a very Jewish Peter was living. In Peter's own life, the barrier was softening and the wall was soon to come down. But only, listen, only the power of the gospel could put an end to the prejudice. Amen? Only the power of the gospel. See, check this out. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans who were considered half-breed after their Assyrian captivity. Jews, Jews were prejudiced against Samaritans 
even though they themselves had been oppressed. They, they had gone from subjection to Babylon, to the Medes and the Persians, to the Greeks. And then in Peter's day, in that day, they were subject to Rome. In Rome, listen, historically, Rome was the ultimate oppressor of all the people groups. Some believe that there were up to 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire of all colors, up to one third of the population. And yet God's heart, this is crazy, was even for the Romans. And get this. God raises up the ultimate individual oppressor, Paul, Paul, the persecutor and killer of the church, to to reach Rome with the gospel of Jesus. And in Acts 9, here we find God is softening prejudiced Peter's heart toward all people. Are y'all following me? And I read this, and, and, and knowing the scriptures, church fam, this is why like, I, I, like I'm growing weary of a false gospel that divides people into groups and categories and camps. I'm tired of it. I, I'm tired of a false gospel that, that I, I'm weary of a gospel that, that makes Jesus out to be some political activist who challenged government systems and corruption. Jesus, listen, Jesus challenged the Pharisees who made the way to God about self-righteousness. The system that he challenged was the system of worldwide rebellion against God called sin. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose, because we couldn't put an end to the prejudice or the racism or the pride or any of the other insidious sins that lurk and dwell in our hearts. But Jesus could. And he did. And here's the application. I've said this before. I will say it again. If your heart is operating from a place of prejudice or or, or racism, like that is not a gospel-formed heart, and you need to repent. You need to repent. When you are following the Jesus of the Bible, He will move you away from your comfort zone, away from your cultural and ethnic and socioeconomic context. He will move you toward people who do not look like you. And that is a glorious thing. Because it gives the gospel an opportunity to do what only it can do to reconcile us with God and with one another. Y'all hear me? To reconcile us with one another as as we've been reconciled to God in Christ. Now close, I'll close with this. Let me close with this. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that arguably the most popular and and, and recognizable footwear and, and apparel company on the planet, Nike, is named after the goddess of victory, and, and their slogan is just do it. And I'm, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but church, that is the message of a godless world. Victory 
through human strength. Let me, let, me, let me keep it simple. We're done. If you are under the illusion that you can do it, that, that, we, that we can do it in our own human strength, that all of our humanistic efforts can, can heal us or make what's dead come alive or, or put an end to the prejudice, please hear my heart. Wake up. Wake up before it's too late. Only Christ, only Christ can do those things. And it's only in and through Jesus Christ that we have the victory. Y'all pray with me this morning.